Hello and welcome. I'm Jennifer March, and this is not your mother's story time. This week, we bring you A Flutter in Eggs by Jack London. Eggs are one of my favorite foods, and they seem to be in short supply during this strange time we're living in now, even if you live in the egg basket of the world. This story is about hoarding eggs, sort of, It's a story to help you smile at these crazy days. I hope it works. And now, A Flutter in Eggs by Jack London. It was in the AC Company's big store at Dawson on a morning of crisp frost that Lucille Errol beckoned Smoke Bellow over to the dry goods counter. The clerk had gone on an expedition into the storerooms, and despite the huge red-hot stoves, Lucille had drawn on her mittens again. Smoke obeyed her call with alacrity. The man did not exist in Dawson, who would not have been flattered by the notice of Lucille Errol, the singing soubrette of the tiny stock company that performed nightly at the Palace Opera House. Things are dead, she complained, with pretty petulance, as soon as they had shaken hands. There hasn't been a stampede for a week. That masked ball Skiff Mitchell was going to give us has been postponed. There's no dust in circulation. There's always standing room now at the opera house, and there hasn't been a mail from the outside for two whole weeks. In short... This berg has crawled into its cave and gone to sleep. We've got to do something. It needs livening, and you and I can do it. We can give it excitement if anybody can. I've broken with wild water, you know. Smoke caught two almost simultaneous visions, one of Joy Gastel, the other was of himself, in the midst of a bleak snow stretch under a cold arctic moon, being pot-shotted with accurateness and dispatch by the aforesaid wild water. Smoke's reluctance at raising excitement with the aid of Lucille Errol was too patent for her to miss. "'I'm not thinking what you're thinking at all, thank you,' she chided with a laugh and a pout. "'When I throw myself at your head,' You'll have to have more eyes and better ones than you have now to see me. Men have died of heart disease at the sudden announcement of good fortune, he murmured in the unveracious gladness of relief. Liar, she retorted graciously. You were more scared to death than anything else. Now take it from me, Mr. Smoke Bellow. I'm not going to make love to you, and if you dare to make love to me... Wildwater will take care of your case. You know him. Besides, I I haven't really broken with him. Go on with your puzzles, he jeered. Maybe I can start guessing what you're driving at after a while. There's no guessing, Smoke. I'll give it to you straight. Wildwater thinks I've broken with him. Don't you see? Well, have you or haven't you? I haven't, there, but it's between you and me in confidence. He thinks I have. 
I made a noise like breaking up with him, and he deserves it, too. Well, where do I come in? Stocking horse or fall guy? Neither. You make a pot of money. We put across the laugh on old Wildwater and cheer up Dawson. And best of all, and the reason for it all, he gets disciplined. He needs it. He's, well, the best way to put it is, he's too turbulent. Just because he's a big husky, because he owns more rich claims than he can keep count of, and because he's engaged to the prettiest little woman in Alaska, smoke interpolated. Yes, and because of that too, thank you, is no reason for him to get riotous. He broke out last night again, sewed the floor of the M&M with gold dust, all of a thousand dollars, just opened his poke and scattered it under the feet of the dancers. You've heard of it, of course. Yes, this morning. I'd like to be the sweeper in that establishment. But still, I don't get you. Where do I come in? Listen, he was too turbulent. I broke our engagement, and he's going around making a noise like a broken heart. Now we come to it. I like eggs. They're off, Smoke cried in despair. Which way? Which way? Wait. But what have eggs and appetite got to do with it? He demanded. Everything, if you'll only listen. Listening, listening, he chanted. Then for heaven's sake, listen. I like eggs. There's only a limited supply of eggs in Dawson. Sure, I know that, too. Slavovich's restaurant has most of them. Ham and one egg, three dollars. Ham and two eggs, five dollars. That means two dollars an egg retail. And only the swells and the arrows and the wild waters can afford them. He likes eggs, too, she continued. But that's not the point. I like them. I have breakfast every morning at eleven o'clock at Slavovich's. I invariably eat two eggs. She paused impressively. Suppose, just suppose, somebody corners eggs. She waited, and Smoke regarded her with admiring eyes, while in his heart he backed with approval Wildwater's choice of her. You're not following she said. Go on, he replied. I give up. What's the answer? Stupid! You know Wildwater. When he sees I'm languishing for eggs, and I know his mind like a book, and I know how to languish, what will he do? You answer it. Go on. Why, he'll just start stampeding for the man that's got the corner in eggs. He'll buy the corner, no matter what it costs. Picture. I come into Slavovich's at eleven o'clock. Wild water will be at the next table. He'll make it his business to be there. Two eggs, shirred, I'll say to the waiter. Sorry, Miss Errol, the waiter will say. There ain't no more eggs. Then up speaks Wild Water in that big bare voice of his. Waiter, six eggs, soft boiled. And the waiter says, Yes, sir, and the eggs are brought. Picture. Wildwater looks sideways at me, and I look like a particularly indignant icicle, and summon the waiter. 
Sorry, Miss Errol, he says, but them eggs is Mr. Wildwater's. You see, miss, he owns them. Picture. Wildwater triumphant, doing his best to look unconscious while he eats his six eggs. Another picture. Slavovich himself brings two shirred eggs to me and saying, Compliments of Mr. Wilder, miss. What can I do? What can I possibly do but smile at Wildwater? And then we make up, of course. And he'll consider it cheap if he has been compelled to pay $10 for each and every egg in the corner. Go on, go on, Smoke urged. At what station do I climb onto the choo-choo cars? Or at what water tank do I get thrown off? Ninny, you don't get thrown off. You ride the egg train straight into Union Depot. You make that corner in eggs. You start in immediately, today. You buy every egg in Dawson for $3 and sell out to Wildwater at almost any advance. And then afterwards, we'll let the inside story come out. The laugh will be on Wildwater. His turbulence will be some subdued. You and I share the glory of it. You make a pile of money. And Dawson wakes up with a grand ha-ha. Of course, if you think the speculation too risky, I'll put up the dust for the corner. This last was too much for Smoke. Being only a mere mortal western man with queer obsessions about money and women, he declined with scorn the proffer of her dust. Hey, Shorty! Smokey called across the main street to his partner, who was trudging along in his swift, slack-jointed way, a naked bottle with frozen contents conspicuously tucked under his arm. Smoke crossed over. Where have you been all morning? Been looking for you everywhere. Up to docks, Shorty answered, holding out the bottle. Something's wrong with Sally. I seen it last night at feeding time. The hair on her tail and flanks was falling out. The doc says, never mind that, Smokey broke in impatiently. What I want, what's eating you, Shorty demanded in indignant astonishment. And Sally getting naked bald in this crimpy weather? I tell you, that dog's sick. Doc says, let Sally wait. Listen to me. I tell you, she can't wait. It's cruelty to animals. She'll be frostbit. What are you in such a fever about anyway? Has that Monte Cristo strike proved up? I don't know, Shorty, but I want you to do me a favor. Sure, Shorty said gallantly, immediately appeased and acquiescent. What is it? Let her rip. Me for you. I want you to buy eggs for me. Sure, in Floridy water and talcum powder, if you say the word. And poor Sally shedding something scandalous. Look here, Smoke. If you want to go in for high living, you go and buy your own eggs. Beans and bacon's good enough for me. I am going to buy, but I want you to help me buy. Now shut up, Shorty. I've got the floor. You go right straight to Slavovich's. Pay as high as three dollars, but buy all he's got. Three dollars? Shorty groaned. I heard tell only yesterday that he's got all of 700 in stock. 
$2,100 for hand fruit? Say, Smoke, I tell you what. You run right up and see the doc. He'll tend to your case, and he'll only charge an ounce for the first prescription. So long. I gotta be pulling my freight. He started off, but Smoke caught his partner by the shoulder, arresting his progress and whirling him around. Smoke, I'd sure do anything for you, Shorty protested earnestly. If you had a cold in the head and was lying with both arms broke, I'd sit by your bedside day and night and wipe your nose for you. But I'll be everlastingly damned if I'll squander twenty-one hundred good armed dollars on hen fruit for you or any other two-legged man. They're not your dollars but mine, Shorty. It's a deal I have on. What I'm after is to corner every blessed egg in Dawson, in the Klondike, and on the Yukon. You've got to help me out. I haven't the time to tell you of the inwardness of the deal. I will afterward, and let you go half on it if you want to. But the thing right now is to get the eggs. Now you hustle up to Slavovich's and buy all he's got. But what'll I tell him? He's sure to know I ain't going to eat him. Tell him nothing. Money talks. He sells them cooked for two dollars. Offer him up to three for them uncooked. If he gets curious, tell him you're starting a chicken ranch. What I want is the eggs. And then keep on. Nose out every egg in Dawson and buy it. Understand? Buy it. That little joint across the street from Slavovich's has a few. Buy them. I'm going over to Klondike City. There's an old man there with a bad leg who's broke and who has six dozen. He's held them all winter for the rise, intending to get enough out of them to pay his passage back to Seattle. I'll see he gets his passage, and I'll get the eggs. Now hustle. And they say that the little woman down beyond the sawmill who makes moccasins has a couple dozen. All right, if you say so, Smoke. But Slavovich seems the main squeeze. I'll just get an iron-bound option, black and white, and gather in the scattering first. All right, hustle, and I'll tell you the scheme tonight. But Shorty flourished the bottle. I'm going to doctor up Sally first. The eggs can wait that long. If they ain't all eaten, they won't be eaten while I'm taking care of a poor sick dog that saved your life and mine more than once. Never was a market cornered more quickly. In three days, every known egg in Dawson, with the exception of several dozen, was in the hands of Smoke and Shorty. Smoke had been more liberal in purchasing. He unblushingly pleaded guilty to having given the old man in Klondike City five dollars apiece for his seventy-two eggs. Shorty had bought most of the eggs, and he had driven bargains. He had given only two dollars an egg to the woman who made moccasins, and he prided himself that he had come off fairly well with Slavovich, whose seven hundred and fifty eggs he had bought at a flat rate of two dollars and a half. On the other hand, he grumbled because the little restaurant across the street had held him up for two dollars and seventy-five cents for a paltry hundred and thirty-four eggs. The several dozen not yet gathered in were in the hands of two persons. One, with whom Shorty was dealing, was an Indian woman who lived in a cabin on the hill back of the hospital. I'll get her today, Shorty announced next morning. You wash dishes, Smoke. I'll be back in a jiffy. 
if I don't bust myself for shoving dust at her. Give me a man to deal with every time. These blessed women, it's something sad the way they can hold out on a buyer. The only way to get them is selling. Why, you think them eggs of hern were solid nuggets. In the afternoon, when Smoke returned to the cabin, he found Shorty squatted on the floor, rubbing ointment into Sally's tail, his countenance so expressionless that it was suspicious. What luck? Shorty asked carelessly after several minutes had passed. Nothing doing, Smoke answered. How'd you get on with the squall? Shorty cocked his head triumphantly toward a tin pail of eggs on the table. Seven dollars a clatter, though, he confessed, after another minute of silent rubbing. All for ten dollars, finally, Smoke said. And then the feller told me he'd already sold his eggs. Now that looks bad, Shorty. Somebody else is in the market. Those twenty-eight eggs are liable to cause us trouble. You see... The success of the corner consists in holding every last... He broke off to stare at his partner. A pronounced change was coming over Shorty, one of agitation masked by extreme deliberation. He closed the salve box, wiped his hands slowly and thoroughly on Sally's fur coat, stood up, went over to the corner, and looked at the thermometer, and came back again. He spoke in a low, toneless, and super-polite voice. Do you mind kindly just repeating over how many eggs you said the man didn't sell to you? He asked. Twenty-eight. Hmm, Shorty communed to himself with a slight duck of the head of careless acknowledgement. Then he glanced with slumbering anger at the stove. Smoke? We'll have to dig up a new stove. That firebox is burned plumb into the oven so it blacks the biscuits. Let the firebox alone, Smoke commanded, and tell me what's the matter. Matter? And you want to know what's the matter? Well, kindly please direct them handsome eyes of yourn at that there pail settin' on the table. See it? Smoke nodded. Well... I want to tell you one thing, just one thing. They's just exactly, precisely, nor nothing more or anything less than 28 eggs in that pail. And they cost, every dang last one of them, just exactly seven great big round iron dollars a throw. If you stand in crying need of any further items of information, I'm willing and free to impart. Go on, Smoke requested. Well, that geezer you were dickering with is a big buck Indian. Am I right? Smoke nodded and continued to nod to each question. He's got one cheek half gone where a bald-faced grizzly swatted him. Am I right? He's a dog trader, right? Eh? His name is Scarface Jim. That's so, ain't it? Do you get my drift? You mean we've been bidding against each other? Sure thing. That squaw's his wife, and they keep house on the hill back of the hospital. I could have got them eggs for two a throw if you hadn't butted in. So could I, Smoke laughed. If you'd kept out, blame you. 
but it doesn't amount to anything. We know that we've got the corner. That's the big thing. Shorty spent the next hour wrestling with the stub of a pencil on the margin of a three-year-old newspaper, and the more interminable and hieroglyphic grew his figures, the more cheerful he became. There she stands, he said at last. Pretty? I guess yes. Let me give you the totals. You and me has right now in our possession exactly 973 eggs. They cost us exactly $2,760, reckoning dust at six an ounce, not counting time. And now listen to me. If we stick up wild water for $10 a egg, we stand to win, clean, net, and all to the good, just exactly $6,970. Now that's a bookin' what is, if anybody should ride up on a dog sled and ask you. And I'm in half on it. Put her there, Smoke. I'm that thankful I'm sure droolin' gratitude. Bookmaking. Say, I'd sooner run with the chicks than with the ponies any day. At eleven that night, Smoke was routed from sleep by Shorty, whose fur parka exhaled an atmosphere of clean frost and whose hand was extremely cold in its contact with Smoke's cheek. What is it now? Smoke grumbled. Rest of Sally's hair fallen out? Nope. I just had to tell you the good news. I seen Slavovich, or Slavovich seen me, I guess, because he started the seance. He says to me, Shorty, I want to speak to you about them eggs. I've kept it quiet. Nobody knows I sold them to you. But if you're speculating, I can put you wise to a good thing. And he did, too, Smoke. Now what'd you guess that good thing is? Go on, name it. Well, maybe it sounds incredible, but that good thing was Wild Water Charlie. He's looking to buy eggs. He goes round to Slavovich and offers him five dollars an egg. And before he quits, he's offering eight. And Slavovich ain't got no eggs. Last thing Wildwater says to Slavovich is that he'll beat the head off in him if he ever finds out Slavovich has eggs cashed away somewheres. Slavovich had to tell him he'd sold the eggs, but that the buyer was secret. Slavovich says to him, Say the word to Wildwater who's got the eggs. Shorty, he says to me, Wildwater'll come a-runnin'. You can hold him up for eight dollars. Eight dollars your grandmother, I says. He'll fall for ten before I'm done with him. Anyway, I told Slavovich I'd think it over and let him know in the morning. Of course, we'll let him pass the word on to Wildwater. Am I right? You certainly are, Shorty. First thing in the morning, tip off Slavovich. Have him tell Wildwater that you and I are partners in the deal. Five minutes later, Smoke was again roused by Shorty. Say, Smoke! Oh, Smoke! Yes. Not a cent less than ten a throw. Did you get that? Sure thing. All right. Smoke returned sleepily. In the morning, Smoke chanced upon Lucille Errol again at the dry goods counter at the A.C. store. It's working, he jubilated. It's working. Wild water's been around to Slavovich trying to buy or bully eggs out of him, and by this time, Slavovich has told him that Shorty and I own the corner. Lucille Errol's eyes sparkled with delight. I'm going to breakfast right now, 
she cried. And I'll ask the waiter for eggs and be so plaintive when there aren't any as to melt a heart of stone. And you know Wildwater's been round to Slavovich, trying to buy the corner if it costs him one of his minds. I know him, and hold out for a stiff figure. Nothing less than ten dollars will satisfy me, and if you sell for anything less, Smoke, I'll never forgive you. That noon, up in their cabin, Shorty placed on the table a pot of beans, a pot of coffee, a pan of sourdough biscuits, a tin of butter, and a tin of condensed cream, a smoking platter of moose meat and bacon, a plate of stewed dried peaches. Grub's ready. Take a slant at Sally first. Smoke put aside the harness on which he was sewing, opened the door, and saw Sally and Bright spiritedly driving away a bunch of foraging sled dogs that belonged to the next cabin. Also, he saw something else that made him close the door hurriedly and dash to the stove. The frying pan, still hot from the moose meat and bacon, he put on the front lid. Into the frying pan he put a generous dab of butter. Then he reached for an egg, which he broke and dropped sputtering into the pan. As he reached for a second egg, Shorty gained his side and clutched his arm in an excited grip. Hey, what you doing? he demanded. Frying eggs, Smoke informed him, breaking the second one and throwing off Shorty's detaining hand. What's the matter with your eyesight? Did you think I was combing my hair? Don't you feel well? Shorty queried anxiously, as Smoke broke a third egg and dexterously thrust him back with a stiff-arm jolt on the breast. Or are you just plain loco? That's thirty dollars worth eggs already. And I'm gonna make it sixty dollars worth, was the answer as Smoke broke the fourth. Get out of the way, Shorty. Wild water's coming up the hill, and he'll be here in five minutes. Shorty sighed vastly, with co-mingling apprehension and relief, and sat down at the table. By the time the expected knock came at the door, Smokey was facing him across the table, and before each was a plate containing three hot fried eggs. Come in, Smoke called. Wild Water Charlie, a strapping young giant, just a fraction of an inch under six feet in height, and carrying a clean weight of 190 pounds, entered and shook hands. Set down and have a bite, Wild Water, Shorty invited. Smoke, fry him some eggs. I'll bet he ain't scoffed an egg in a coon's age. Smoke broke three more eggs into the hot pan, and in several minutes placed them before his guest, who looked at them with so strange and strained an expression that Shorty confessed afterward his fear that Wildwater would slip them into his pocket and carry them away. Say, them swells down in the States ain't got nothing over us in the matter of eats, Shorty gloated. Here's you and me and Smoke getting outside ninety dollars worth of eggs and not batting an eye. Wildwater stared at the rapidly disappearing eggs and seemed petrified. Pitch in and eat, Smoke encouraged. They, uh, they ain't worth no ten dollars, Wildwater said slowly. Shorty accepted the challenge. A thing's worth what you can get for it, ain't it? He demanded. Yes, but... But nothing. I'm telling you what we can get for them. Ten a throw, just like that. We're the egg trust, smoking me, and don't you forget it. When we say ten a throw, ten a throw goes. He mopped his plate with a biscuit. 
I could almost eat a couple more, he sighed, then helped himself to the beans. You can't eat eggs like that, Wildwater objected. It, it ain't right. We just dote on eggs, smoking me, was Shorty's excuse. Wildwater finished his own plate in a half-hearted way and gazed dubiously at the two comrades. Say, you fellas can do me a great favor, he began tentatively. Sell me or lend me or give me about a dozen of them eggs. Sure, Smoke answered. I know what a yearning for eggs is myself, but we're not so poor that we have to sell our hospitality. They'll cost you nothing. Here, a sharp kick under the table admonished him that Shorty was getting nervous. A dozen, did you say, Wildwater? Wildwater nodded. Well, go ahead, Shorty, Smoke went on. Cook them up for him. I can sympathize. I've seen the time myself when I could eat a dozen straight off the bat. But Wildwater laid a restraining hand on the eager Shorty as he explained. I don't mean cooked. I want them with the shells on. So that you can carry them away? That's the idea. But that ain't hospitality, Shorty objected. It's, it's trading. Smoke nodded concurrence. That's different, Wildwater. I thought you just won't eat them. You see, we went into this for speculation. The dangerous blue of Wildwater's eyes began to grow more dangerous. I'll pay you for them, he said sharply. How much? Oh, not a dozen, Smoke replied. We couldn't sell a dozen. We're not retailers. We're speculators. We can't break our own market. We've got a hard and fast corner, and when we sell out, it's the whole corner or nothing. How many have you got, and how much do you want for them? How many have we, Shorty? Smoke inquired. Shorty cleared his throat and performed mental arithmetic aloud. Well, let me see. 973 minus 9, that leaves 962, and the whole shooting match at 10 a throw will tote up just about 9,620 iron dollars. Of course, Wild Water, we're playing fair, and it's money back for bad ones, though there ain't none. That's one thing I never seen in the Klondike, a bad egg. No man's fool enough to bring in a bad egg. That's fair, Smoke added. Money back for the bad ones, Wild Water, and there's our proposition. $9,620 for every egg in Klondike. You might play them up to 20 a throw and double your money, Shorty suggested. Wildwater shook his head sadly and helped himself to the beans. That would be too expensive, Shorty. I only want a few. I'll give you $10 for a couple dozen. I'll give you 20 But I can't buy them all. All or none was Smoke's ultimatum. Look here, you two, Wildwater said in a burst of confidence. I'll be perfectly honest with you, and don't let it go any further. You know Miss Errol and I was engaged? Well, she broke everything off. You know it. Everybody knows it. It's for her I want them eggs. Huh, Shorty jeered. It's clear and plain why you want them with the shells on. 
But I never thought it of you. Thought what? You slow down mean, that's what it is. Shorty rushed on, virtuously indignant. I wouldn't wonder somebody filled you full of lead for it. You deserve it, too. Wildwater began to flame toward the verge of one of his notorious berserker rages. His hands clenched until the cheap fork in one of them began to bend, while his blue eyes flashed warning sparks. Now look here, Shorty. Just what do you mean? If you think anything underhanded... I mean what I mean, Shorty retorted doggedly. And you bet your sweet life I don't mean anything underhanded. Overhanded's the only way to do it. You can't throw them any other way. Throw what? Eggs, prunes, baseballs, anything. But wild water, you're making a mistake. There ain't no crowd ever sat at the Opry house that'll stand for it. Just because she's an actress is no reason you can publicly lambaste her with hen fruit. For the moment, it seemed that Wildwater was going to burst or have apoplexy. He gulped down a mouthful of scalding coffee and slowly recovered himself. You're in wrong, Shorty, he said with cold deliberation. I'm not going to throw eggs at her. Why, man, he cried with growing excitement. I want to give them eggs to her on a platter, shured. That's the way she likes them. I knowed I was wrong, Shorty cried generously. I knowed you couldn't do a low-down trick like that. That's all right, Shorty. Wildwater forgave him. But let's get down to business. You see why I want them eggs. I want them bad. Do you want them $9,620 worth? Shorty queried. It's a hold-up, that's what it is, Wildwater declared irately. It's business, Smoke retorted. You don't think we're peddling eggs for our health, do you? Oh, listen to reason, Wildwater pleaded. I only want a couple of dozen. I'll give you twenty apiece for them. What do I want with all the rest of them eggs? I went years in this country without eggs, and I guess I can keep on managing without them somehow. Don't get hit up about it, Shorty counseled. If you don't want them, that settles it. We ain't a-forcing them on you. But I do want them, Wildwater complained. Then you know what they'll cost you, $9,620. And if my figuring's wrong, I'll treat. But maybe they won't turn the trick, Wilder objected. Maybe Miss Errol's lost her taste for eggs by this time. I should say Miss Errol's worth the price of the eggs, Smoke put in quietly. Worth it? Wildwater stood up in the heat of his eloquence. She's worth a million dollars. She's worth all I've got. She's worth all the dust in Klondike. He sat down and went on in a calmer voice. But that ain't no call for me to gamble $10,000 on a breakfast for her. Now I've got a proposition. Lend me a couple dozen of them eggs. I'll turn them over to Slavovich. He'll feed them to her with my compliments. She ain't smiled at me for a hundred years. If them eggs get a smile for me, I'll take the whole boiling off your hands. Will you sign a contract to that effect? Smoke said quickly, for he knew that Lucille Errol had agreed to smile. Wildwater gasped. You're mighty swift with business up here in the hill, he said with the hint of a snarl. We're only accepting your own proposition, Smoke answered. 
All right, bring on the paper. Make it out hard and fast, Wilder cried in the anger of surrender. Smoke immediately wrote out the document, wherein Wildwater agreed to take every egg delivered to him at ten dollars per egg, provided that the two dozen advanced to him brought about a reconciliation with Lucille Errol. Wildwater paused with uplifted pen as he was about to sign. Hold on, he said. When I buy eggs, I buy good eggs. They ain't a bad egg in the Klondike, Shorty snorted. Just the same, if I find one bad egg, you've got to come back with the ten I paid for it. That's all right, Smoke placated. It's only fair. And every bad egg you come back with, I'll eat. Shorty declared. Smoke inserted the word good in the contract, and Wildwater sullenly signed, received the trial two dozen in a tin pail, pulled on his mittens, and opened the door. Goodbye, you robbers! He growled back at them and slammed the door. Smoke was a witness to the play next morning in Slavovich's. He sat as Wildwater's guest at the table adjoining Lucille Errol's, Almost to the letter, as she had forecasted it, did the scene come off. "'Haven't you found any eggs yet?' she murmured plaintively to the waiter. "'No, ma'am,' came the answer. "'They said somebody cornered every egg in Dawson. Mr. Slavovich is trying to buy a few just especially for you, but the fellow that's got the corner won't let loose.' It was at this juncture that Wildwater beckoned the proprietor to him, and with one hand on his shoulder drew his head down. Look here, Slavovich, Wildwater whispered hoarsely. I turned over a couple dozen eggs to you last night. Where are they? In the safe. All but that six I have all thawed and ready for you any time you sing out. I don't want them for myself, Wildwater breathed in a still lower voice. Sure them up and present them to Miss Errol there. I'll attend to it personally myself, Slavovich assured him. And don't forget, compliments of me, Wildwater concluded, relaxing his detained clutch on the proprietor's shoulder. Pretty Lucy Errol was gazing forlornly at the strip of breakfast bacon and the tinned mashed potatoes on her plate when Slavovich placed before her two shirred eggs. Compliments of Mr. Wildwater, they at the next table heard him say. Smoke acknowledged to himself that it was a fine bit of acting, the quick, joyous flash in the face of her, the impulsive turn of the head, the spontaneous forerunner of a smile that was only checked by a superb self-control, which resolutely drew her face back so that she could say something to the restaurant proprietor. Smoke felt the kick of Wildwater's moccasined foot under the table. Will she eat him? That's the question. Will she eat him? the latter whispered agonizingly, and with sidelong glances they saw Lucille Errol hesitate, almost push the dish from her, then surrender to its lure. I'll take them eggs, Wildwater said to Smoke. The contract holds. Did you see her? Did you see her? She almost smiled. I know her. It's all fixed. Two more eggs tomorrow, and she'll forgive and make up. If she wasn't here, I'd shake hands, Smoke. I'm that grateful. You ain't a robber. You're a philanthropist. Smoke returned jubilantly up the hill to the cabin, only to find Shorty playing solitaire in black despair. 
Smoke had long since learned that whenever his partner got out the cards for solitaire, it was a warning signal that the bottom had dropped out of the world. Go away! Don't talk to me! was the first rebuff Smoke received. But Shorty soon thawed into a freshet of speech. It's all off with the big Swede, he groaned. The corner's busted. They'll be selling sherry and eggs in all the saloons tomorrow at a dollar a flip. There ain't no starving orphan child in Dawson that won't be wrapping its tummy around eggs. What do you think I run into? A geezer with three thousand eggs. Do you get me? Three thousand, and just freighted in from forty mile. Fairy stories, Smoke doubted. Fairy hell, I seen them eggs. Gouderose's name, a whacking big blue-eyed French-Canadian husky. He asked for you first, then took me to the side and jabbed me straight to the heart. It was our corner and eggs that got him started. He knowed about them three thousand at Forty Mile and just went and got em. Show em to me, I says. And he did. There was his dog teams and a couple of Indian drivers resting down the bank where they'd just pulled in from Forty Mile. And on the sled was soap boxes, teeny wooden soap boxes. We took one out behind an ice jam in the middle of the river and busted it open. Eggs, full of them, all packed in sawdust. Smoke, you and me lose. We've been gambling. Do you know what he had the gall to say to me? That they was all ourn at ten dollars an egg. Do you know what he's doing when I left his cabin? Drawn a sign of eggs for sale. Said he'd give us first choice at ten a throw till two p.m. And after that, if we didn't come across, he'd bust the market higher than a kite. Said he wasn't no businessman, but that he knowed a good thing when he seen it. Meaning you and me, as I look at it. It's all right, Smoke said cheerfully. Keep your shirt on and let me think a minute. Quick action and team play is all that's needed. I'll get wild water here at two o'clock to take delivery of the eggs. You buy that Gutero's eggs. Try and make a bargain. Even if you pay ten dollars apiece for them, wild water will take them off our hands at the same price. If you can get them cheaper, why, we make a profit as well. Now go to it. Have them here by not later than two o'clock. Borrow, borrow Colonel Bowie's dogs and take our team. Have them here by two sharp. Say, Smokey, Shorty called as his partner started down the hill. Better take an umbrella. I won't be none surprised to see the weather raining eggs before you get back. Smoke found Wildwater at the M&M, and a stormy half-hour ensued. I'll warn you, we've picked up some more eggs, Smoke said after Wildwater had agreed to bring his dust to the cabin at two o'clock and pay on delivery. Well, you're lucky at finding eggs than me, Wildwater admitted. Now, how many eggs have you got now? And how much dust do I tote up the hill? Smoke consulted his notebook. As it stands now, according to Shorty's figures, we've 3,962 eggs, multiply by ten. Forty thousand dollars! Wildwater bellowed. You said there was only something like nine hundred eggs. It's a stick-up. I won't stand for it. Smoke drew the contract from his pocket 
and pointed to the pay on delivery. No mention was made of the number of eggs to be delivered. You agreed to pay ten dollars for every egg we delivered to you. Well, we've got the eggs, and a signed contract is a signed contract. Honestly, though, Wildwater, we didn't know about those other eggs until afterward. Then we had to buy them in order to make our corner good. For five long minutes, in choking silence, Wildwater fought a battle with himself, then reluctantly gave in. I'm in bad, he said brokenly. The landscape's fair sprouting eggs, and the quicker I get out, the better. There might come a landslide of them. I'll be there at two o'clock. But forty thousand dollars! It's only thirty-nine thousand six hundred and twenty. Smoke corrected. It'll weigh two hundred pounds, Wildwater raved on. I'll have to freight it up with the dog team. We'll lend you our teams to carry the eggs away, Smoke volunteered. But where will I cache them? Never mind, I'll be there. But as long as I live, I'll never eat another egg. I'm full sick of them. At half past one, doubling the dog teams for the steep pitch of the hill, Shorty arrived with Goudereau's eggs. We dang near double our winnings, Shorty told Smoke as they piled the soapboxes inside the cabin. I holds him to eight dollars, and after he cussed loco in French, he falls for it. Now that's two dollars clear profit to us for each egg, and there are three thousand of them. I paid him in full. Here's the receipt. While Smoke got out the gold scales and prepared for business, Shorty devoted himself to calculating. There's the figures, he announced triumphantly. We win $12,970, and we don't do wild water no harm. He wins Miss Errol. Besides, he gets all them eggs. It's sure a bargain counter all around. Nobody loses. Even Gouter owes 24000 to the good, Smoke laughed. Minus, of course, what the eggs and the freight cost him. And what if Wildwater plays the corner? He may make a profit out of the eggs himself. Promptly at two o'clock, Shorty, peeping, saw Wildwater coming up the hill. When he entered, he was brisk and businesslike. He took off his big bearskin coat, hung it on a nail, and sat down at the table. Bring on the eggs, you pirates, he commenced. And after this day, if you know what's good for you, never mention eggs to me again. They began on the miscellaneous assortment of the original corner, all three men counting. When two hundred had been reached, Wildwater suddenly cracked an egg on the edge of the table and opened it deftly with his thumbs. Hey, hold on, Shorty objected. It's my egg, ain't it? Wildwater snarled. I'm paying ten dollars for it, ain't I? But I ain't buying no pig in a poke. When I cough up ten bucks an egg, I want to know what I'm getting. If you don't like it, I'll eat it, Shorty volunteered maliciously. Wildwater looked and smelled and shook his head. No, you don't, Shorty. That's a good egg. Give me a pail. I'm going to eat it myself for supper. Thrice again, Wildwater cracked good eggs experimentally and put them in the pail beside him. Two more than you figured, Shorty he said at the end of the count. 964, not 62. My mistake, Shorty acknowledged handsomely. We'll throw them in for good measure. Guess you can afford to, 
Wildwater accepted grimly. Pass the batch. $9,620. I'll pay for it now. Write a receipt, Smoke. Well, why not count the rest? Smoke suggested. And pay all at once. Wildwater shook his head. I'm no good at figures. One batch at a time and no mistakes. Going to his fur coat, from each of the side pockets he drew forth two sacks of dust, so rotund and long that they resembled bologna sausages. When the first batch had been paid for, there remained in the gold sacks not more than several hundred dollars. A soapbox was carried to the table, and the count of the three thousand began. At the end of one hundred, wild water struck an egg sharply against the edge of the table. There was no crack. The resultant sound was like that of a striking of a sphere of solid marble. Frozen solid, he remarked, striking more sharply. He held up the egg, and they could see the shell powdered to minute fragments along the line of the impact. Huh, said Shorty. It ought to be solid, seeing it has just been freighted up from forty mile. It'll take an axe to bust it. Me for an axe, said Wildwater. Smoke brought an axe, and Wildwater, with the clever hand and eye of the woodsman, split the egg cleanly in half. The appearance of the egg's interior was anything but satisfactory. Smoke felt a premonitory chill. Shorty was more valiant. He held one of the halves to his nose. Smells all right, he said. But looks all wrong, Wildwater contended. And how can it smell when the smell's frozen along with the rest of it? Wait a minute. He put the two halves into a frying pan and placed the latter on the front lid of the hot stove. Then the three men, with distended, questing nostrils, waited in silence. Slowly, an unmistakable odor began to drift through the room. Wildwater forbore to speak, and Shorty remained dumb despite conviction. Throw it out, Smoke cried, gasping. What's the good? asked Wildwater. We've got to sample the rest. Not in this cabin, Smoke coughed and quelled a qualm. Chop them open, and we can test by looking at them. Throw it out, Shorty. Throw it out. Phew! And leave the door open. Box after box was opened. Egg after egg, chosen at random, was chopped in two and every egg carried the same message of hopeless, irremediable decay. I won't ask you to eat em, Shorty, Wildwater jeered. And if you don't mind, I can't get out of here too quick. My contract called for good eggs. If you'll loan me a sled and team, I'll haul them good ones away before they get contaminated. Smoke helped in loading the sled. Shorty sat at the table. The cards lay before him for solitaire. Say... How long you been holding that corner? Was Wild Water's parting jibe. Smoke made no reply, and with one glance at his absorbed partner, proceeded to fling the soapboxes out into the snow. Say, uh, Shorty, how much did you pay for that three thousand? Smoke queried gently. Eight dollars. Go away. Don't talk to me. I can figure as well as you. We lose 17000 on the flutter, if anybody should ride up on a dog sled and ask you. I figured that out while waiting for the first egg to smell. 
Smoke pondered a few minutes, then again broke silence. Say, Shorty, forty thousand dollars gold weighs two hundred pounds. Wildwater borrowed our sled and team to haul away his eggs. He came up the hill without a sled. Those two sacks of dust in his coat pockets weighed about twenty pounds each. The understanding was cash on delivery. He brought enough dust to pay for the good eggs. He never expected to pay for those three thousand. He knew they were bad. Now how did he know they were bad? What do you make of it anyway? Shorty gathered the cards, started to shuffle a new deal, then paused. Huh, that ain't nothing. A child could answer it. We lose 17,000. Wild water wins 17,000. Them eggs of Gouderos was wild waters all the time. Anything else you're curious to know? Yes. Why, in the name of common sense, didn't you find out whether those eggs were good before you paid for them? Just as easy as the first question. Wildwater swung the bunco game time to seconds. I had no time to examine the eggs. I had to hustle to get them here for delivery. And now, Smoke, let me ask you one civil question. What did you say was the party's name that put this egg corner idea into your head? Shorty had lost the sixteenth consecutive game of solitaire, and Smoke was casting about to begin the preparation of supper, when Colonel Bowie knocked at the door, handed Smoke a letter, and went on to his own cabin. Did you see his face? Shorty raved. He was almost busting to keep it straight. It's the big ha-ha for you and me, Smoke. We won't never dast show our faces again in Dawson. The letter was from Wildwater, and Smoke read it aloud. Dear Smoke and Shorty, I write to ask with compliments of the season your presence at a supper tonight at Slavovich's joint. Miss Errol will be there, and so will Goudreau. Him and me was partners down at Circle Five years ago. He is all right and is going to be best man. About them eggs. They come into the country four years back. They was bad when they come in. They was bad when they left California. They always was bad. They stopped at Carluck one winter, and one winter at Nutluck, and last winter at Forty Mile, where they was sold for storage. And this winter, I guess they stop at Dawson. Don't keep them in a hot room. Lucille says to say you and her and me has sure made some excitement for Dawson. And I say, drinks is on you, and that goes. Respectfully yours, W.W. Well, what have you got to say? Smoke queried. We accept the invitation, of course. I got one thing to say, Shorty answered, and that is Wild Water won't never suffer if he goes broke. He's a good actor, a gosh-blamed good actor. And I got another thing to say. My figures is all wrong. Wild Water wins 17,000, all right, but he wins more than that. You and me has made him a present of every good egg in Klondike, 964 of them, two thrown in for good measure, and he was that ornery, mean-cussed, 
that he packed off the three open ones in the pail. And I got a last thing to say. You and me is legitimate prospectors and practical gold miners. But when it comes to finance, we're sure the fattest suckers that ever fell for the get-rich-quick bunco. After this, it's you and me for the high rocks and tall timber. And if you ever mention eggs to me, we dissolve partnership there and then. Get me? And that's our story for this evening. I hope you enjoyed A Flutter in Eggs by Jack London. Thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer March, and this is not your mother's story time. <laughs>